bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Twice last week, I referred to the Toronto game as the dreadful Toronto game, and lo and behold, it came to fruition. Tonight, the intimate sessions here in the holiday living room of the Weeborg household, just Cassie and me. Cass, thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm feeling very festive here. It's very nicely decorated in the holiday theme. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate you coming out tonight because uh, it's awfully hard to make time uh, in our busy work weeks to talk about this Buffalo Bills team, but that's what we shall do. They dropped a heartbreaking game against Atlanta in Toronto on Sunday. We'll touch on that briefly. But Cassie, we're not mathematically eliminated yet. We'll talk about this Tampa Bay game coming up and what has to happen to see our boys in the postseason finally. Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen. Well, Cassie, no need to recount the heartbreaking events of Sunday. Please Sunday afternoon. Uh, we all know how the Bills lost, and we all know that the Bills lost. So we'll start off with the obvious. Who was your Jenny Cremale bummer of Sunday's game? There are a few names that you can drop, but I am going to go with the country of Canada, the city of Toronto, the location of the Rogers Center, and every single dim-witted fan that was at that game. Agreed. All 30,000 of them, by the way. Oh, yes. Yes. And it was it was nice when I got that Sports Center alert on my phone on Tuesday saying that Russ Brandon and whatever and the rest of the team are looking into the Toronto. That was this morning. Yeah, that was this morning. This yeah. morning. This morning. I was like, oh, shocking. Shocking is taking this much. But every single one of those people. So, you know, you corrected me on Sunday. It was a $76 million deal, correct? But uh, Bill Barnwell from Grantland broke it down that it really only comes out to about $3 million a game. So the – now, you say what took him so long. I was quite pleased to hear – and I don't know if you listened to the interview his, with WGR. He sounded pissed. <laughs> the whole interview, they were like, hey, welcome. Good morning, Russ. He's like, yeah, hi. And they're like, uh, rough week. He's like, yeah. This has been a very tough week, so what's up? And that was pretty much the tone of the entire interview, and he wouldn't deny uh, or he wouldn't confirm that, in fact, he's looking to kill that contract. I don't know how that would be possible, but if they do, I'm right there with you, and I would, I would very much like to give my Genesee Cream Ale Bummer of the Week to the non-Bills fans. Like, Let's just call it that. Like The non-Bills fans who showed up to watch a football game in a sterile indoor environment on Sunday and did our team no favors. No question in my mind, we play the game of the Ralph. We win because of the crowd. Well, and in, in when you look at Monday Night Football and you see the fans in Seattle and you see them breaking like Guinness World Records for noise and you know Seattle comes out and just puts a whip in uh, New Orleans, that's what a home field advantage is. And, and playing in you know, Toronto isn't it. And the thing is, is we do that every year. It's not like we're the one team selected for one game to go to London to play. You know, I'm sure the crowd there is probably pretty dismal as well. But we do this one game every year, and it's always a home game. It's a waste. And what is it? One and six? One and five? One and one one whatever. One and whatever. One and whatever. And, yeah, and that one game was in 2011 against a terrible Redskins team. Then the season proceeded to tank after that. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to pick a Genesee Cream Ale bummer of the week that's not the 
the fans, the quote fans that showed up for that game. Uh, but I'm going to give mine to the officiating staff. Um, the the two calls at the end of what was the tying drive and regulation for the Atlanta Falcons uh, that changed the tide of the game were were lousy calls. I think it's uh, clear now that the illegal hands, whatever the penalty was on Aaron Williams, they missed they missed the number. It, it wasn't on Aaron Williams because all the replays show he he literally did not touch anybody on that play, but. The players that it could have potentially been on, I think it might have been on Leotis McKelvin's uh, Coach Sal did a breakdown of Vine that he posted to Twitter showing that if it was going to be on anybody, I think it would have been on Leotis McKelvin. Even then, it would have been a ticky-tack call. And then, of course, on what was it, third and 25, the pass the pass interference that set up for the one yard. Uh, it, you know, uh, And again, no way they make that call in front of a home crowd at the Ralph. There's, there's just no way that that happens. It, it's been shown that referees can be psychologically affected by the noise of a home crowd, and he eats that flag, which he should have done anyways. It was, it was a lousy call. It wasn't even a close call. It was a bad call. So, you know, okay, might as well address it. Yes, Stevie Johnson, Scott Chandler had costly fumbles at the end of the game, so you never want to break it down to the officiating crew or anything else. But in this case, again, not the hometown fans, not the hometown refs. Yeah. Uh, nothing went our way. Now, having said that, with Sujit and Billy out today, I think that we are missing an opportunity to at least address the Stevie Johnson situation. Yes. This podcast has really pulled no punches as far as our crit- critique of his attitude and how it translates to his, his game day performance. Is there any question in your mind that his antics and his lack of focus impact his performance in game day, particularly in clutch situations like we've seen happen now time and time again? I, this year I don't think that his antics have, have been a problem or, or really have been a prominence. Um, I feel like he has been focused this year. It's been shocking. I, I'm, what, I, what I'm not sure about is, is that, I mean, it's one play, and I, feel, I kind of feel bad for the guy because it was – it was one play. He played a pretty solid game. I mean, he was making catches. He was driving it down the field. It just is you want to say to him, just, you know, go down or hold on to that ball. But but isn't that always the case when he has those terrible plays? It's always on the back of what was otherwise a good game. And I point to that lack of focus and that lack of mental toughness because it's almost as if in his head he gets to a point where he's satisfied with his performance and he's just not as – cued into the game as maybe he should be. Yeah, or, or maybe on that play he was just looking like for the the big score or the big play, you know, to get to the end zone rather than like, okay, first things first, I need to secure the ball. Like things that they teach you in like peewee football, you know, secure the ball, tuck it away, you know. So that maybe is, is the focus or that he's just looking to be the hero or looking for that big play. Now, unfortunately, what exacerbates this is the comparison to his post game, po- excuse me, the, the comparison between his post game press conference and Scott Chandler's. They basically both made the exact same mistake, had the ball punched out from behind from a defender, and of course, Atlanta, of course, Atlanta recovered both times. Both times, yeah. both times. Didn't, didn't, go didn't, didn't go out of bounds, didn't, didn't fall back. No, Atlanta recovered both times, you know, because that's just how it goes, again, when you're playing against the Buffalo Bills. But the contrast between Stevie's post-game interview and Scott Chandler's was palpable, to say the least. And again, he takes no ownership. And I'm of, you know, I staunchly believe that the first step in solving a problem is identifying it. 
And if he can't come to grips with the fact that maybe he needs to, I don't know, just pay more attention to situations and, and keep his focus for 60 minutes, how can we ever expect him to? Yeah. And I think when you look at like players like Fred Jackson, I mean, Fred does make every once in a while a stupid play, but for the number of touches that he makes, I'm always confident that he's going to tuck the ball away, he's going to get the yards, and he's not going to do something stupid. You know, with Stevie out there, you never know. You know, some uh, when he one thing that irritates me to no end with him is when he stands up and he spins the ball. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, you are going to get a flag on that at some point. What is the purpose of doing that after a 15 yard gain? I understand if you like score a touchdown, you get your little celebration dance because there's a time and a place for it. But when you make like a slant route catch, you know, for a first down on like third and you know 12, it, it doesn't mean you spin the ball and you get a little celebration. Agreed. Agreed. Well, shifting gears here because. Uh, we're going to spend most of the time in the Tampa Bay portion talking about how our hopes are very much still alive. Uh, so there, there were some bright spots yes. in Sunday's game. Uh, the defense, not exactly one of them. I mean, let's not – we're coming down on the fans. We're coming down on the refs. We're coming down on poor Stevie and Sky Chandler. Our defense, uh, that, that was probably the worst game they've had this season. Uh, going into it, we were among the leaders in the NFL league-wide – in rushing touchdowns given up. I think we'd only given up two or three. And they gave up three on Sunday, two of which on long plays, which we haven't seen all yeah. season. And those and let, make no mistake, as far as the give and take of the football game was concerned, those were the plays that gave it up. So uh, before we switch into the Labatt Blue MVP of the week, we should absolutely mention <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that the, the defense did not do its job. No. The defense could have also stopped them on the – the tying drive at the end of regulation, too. They did not. So, moving on from that, we'll try to maintain some level of optimism here. Who is your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's game? It's, you know, for me, I agree on the defense. Um, I, you know, EJ played, I think, a remarkable game. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. He was making completed passes. He did throw a few passes errant that really should have been picked up. But I can't give it to EJ. You know, the person we discussed him is I really feel like it needs to go to is Aaron Williams. Okay. Because when he did get that horrible play call, he kept his, like, head in the game. And then it was, what, two plays later, three plays later, he actually drew drew a penalty. Yeah. You know? And you would have figured at that point he would have been so gone, so out of it. So I was very... Very impressed, you know, with his mental stability, his mental toughness. Um, and I also think that speaks highly for the coaching staff as to how these guys are all prepared. But, I mean, he gets a ridiculous play called on him, and what does he do? He still goes out there, gets in the, the offensive player's head, and gets, you know, I think we got, it was I think it was a 15 yarder. Yeah, and that's it was, why it was third and 25. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it was, it was I, you know, I would. I would give him the Labatt Blue, you know, player player of the game just just for that. And it's funny you say that after I go on a brief diatribe about how poor the defense played. But likewise, we also had six sacks. Yeah. I mean, so unfortunately, the Barones line Monday was consistency, consistency, yes. consistency, and this defense has been feast or famine. Yep. Um, which is, <laughs> hey, I'll take that over famine. Yeah. Which is all we had in 2012. <laughs> so. Uh, I think one more year, and it's really going to click with these guys, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And Aaron Williams is among the players that I'm most excited to see yeah. develop in Buffalo, and I hope we keep him around for a long, long time. i got to give my MVP to C.J. Spiller. Oh. He has taken his lumps on this podcast. I've given him the Genesee Cream Meal Bummer of the Week several times this year. But uh, he had the long run. 
uh, where I don't know if he came up lame or he ran out of juice, but first time for everything, and that was the first time he's ever been run down, um, which was unfortunate, but good for me because Freddie Jackson pumped, uh, punched in and I had him in fantasy. However, his touchdown run was the kind of run, I mean, the long run notwithstanding, the kind of run we haven't seen from him all season. Looked like he was on skates out there. I mean, the way he was weaving in and out of traffic and accelerating and getting around defenders and the way that he got to the pylon, man, that was an awesome run. Yeah. That was just an awesome run. And that, that is why Bills Nation is, is forever going to be pumped up to have this guy on our team because, boy – there are not a lot of running backs who can who yeah. can look like that. I, but in the third quarter, when he you know hurts, dings up his ankle, and and runs for you know five runs that got us absolutely nowhere. I, I have a hard time saying he was the, the player of the game. I I definitely think it was his breakout game this season. You know, but I. Ah, I just want some consistency, as Moreau yeah. would say. Consistency with that. I do believe in our podcast last week I said we were going to run for 200 yards on them, and, and we, I think we ran for 195. Uh, it was – I had, well, I guess I mean, maybe Freddie just didn't put up that many yards on the ground. But, I mean, it absolutely was the, the game it should have been. Um, but they lost, so the playoff picture is now a lot more complicated than it, than it has <laughs> to be. But Cass, it still exists. We still very much have a playoff picture, and even if we win this game and a bunch of other, or excuse me, even if we win this upcoming week and a bunch of other things don't go our way, we are still in it going into week 16 as well, so, or excuse me, week 15. So, with that in mind, let's talk about what we have to look forward to against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Lars, it is it is true that we are not mathematically eliminated, but in my purview, we have been emotionally eliminated from playoffs. Sunday was tough. Um, we've had a lot of kick in the stomach games. Sunday was really tough. And uh, I even if we, I, I just feel like we've been on this roller coaster all year long, and then I can't, I can't do it again. So I know we're not mathematically eliminated, but. I, 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 it would take a Christmas miracle for this to happen. And, and you know, Santa Claus, is, it's not on his list for me. Well, um, Santa Claus is coming to town, <laughs> and uh, we still have three games prior to Christmas. So uh, I'm holding out hope. I'm going to be at one of those games, and I would love for it to mean something. Um, and I'm, I'm with you to the extent, and I feel fine saying this without Sujit here, because I'm, I won't be going to the bar Sunday. I probably won't be going to the bar for any of the games moving forward. You're welcome to come over and watch them here, but... Um, it's a lot easier to not be emotionally invested when you can just get up and do laundry uh, sometime in the third quarter when things aren't going your way. But uh, tough game coming up against Tampa Bay. This team is not as bad as its, as its record shows. We're on the road. Um, they, just, they just got their clocks cleaned by Carolina, so their little mini streak has come to an end, which could mean one of two things. They're going to bounce back or they're going to um, – or they're just going to crumble altogether. They're one of three teams now, at Atlanta being another one, who is yeah. mathematically limited. I mean, at this point, the AFC is so bad that Jacksonville is <laughs> not even mathematically limited. So what does that tell you? Um, but Mike Glennon has been pretty good for them. Uh, I see him as a giant, lanky, not-so-mobile target that we're going to sack the crap out of. 
Vincent Jackson has a hamstring injury. I imagine he'll play because that's how it always goes. Yep. Uh, what are you looking to see from our boys this weekend? Um, well, like I've said many times, I follow a few of the Bills players on Instagram, and it's it's <laughs> it's been a bad week for them. I mean, I've, there's been a few posts where these guys definitely feel like they're in the dumps, and that was a, a tough loss for them. Really? So it's 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 clear that they've kind of taken this one on the chin. Oh, definitely. So I'm I'm excited to see them bounce back. Wait, can you can you? I'm sorry. Can you give an example? I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like. Which player and what and how they're expressing this? I'm I'm actually very curious to know. Give me a second. Let me pull this up. So maybe another reason why Aaron Williams was my Labatt Blue Player of the Week this week is a post from Aaron Williams. I've been riding with my bro, Flash Goodwin, which is uh, Marquise Goodwin, for a long time. He knows my pain, and I know his pain after loss, especially after all the hard, hard work we go through week in and week out. There's one thing I do know is that I can always count on him to be there for me and vice versa. I will always have my family's back. Love you, bro. We're going to turn this franchise around together. Changes come and believe that. Oh, baby. Did he spell believe with an I? No, but he did, he did, he did <laughs> hashtag it. He did hashtag it family first, soul of the lion, Bill's Mafia. Okay. All right. I, I really like that. I you you had said that that these guys are kind of online chums. Uh, these two obviously probably went to college together. Um, they they were probably contemporaries at, at University of Texas, were they not? Cause, I believe so. Um, yeah, Goodwin probably have been very young, but yeah, they definitely would have would have been on the team together there. Um, I like to see that. I li- I like that these guys are are still have a little fire in their belly, but. To your point, um, we released a shard choice today. Uh, this this podcast will come out on on Thursday. Uh, so yesterday we we received or we released shard choice, and we activated Ronnie Wingo. Um, to me, that's an indication that we're kind of kicking the tires, doing some internal scouting while we still can. That we're not putting a whole lot of emphasis on on winning to finish out as much as we are moving forward. Which is kind of disappointing to see, but at the same time, it could work out in our favor. Who knows? And again, we're we're not mathematically eliminated, so I I don't expect the franchise to fold on us here uh, whatsoever. Likewise, one thing that we saw, speaking of Flash Goodwin, continuously on Sunday was him being visibly frustrated with Frank Summers for Frank Summers not letting him take it out of the end zone. Because if Frank Summers turns around and says, "Hey, hold up," then he doesn't have a lead blocker, so he, it's not like he's just going to run past the guy. And Frank Summers, more often than not, turns around and tells him to hold up. And I don't know if he sees something. I don't know if he just wants a shot at it. I have a feeling now, based on the same logic as the Ronnie Wingo thing, now that we've thrown caution to the wind, he might be taking a couple out. And we might finally see that special teams touchdown this year, which, by the way, we haven't had one. I can't remember the last Bills season that we've gone this long without a special teams touchdown. Um, But I think we're poised for one this Sunday. And, and I would agree, and, and, and we did see Goodwin right at the, whether it was the, right after Tampa Bay score they wanted to bring it out or whatnot, but you know what, like, you got to be conservative on that, you know, like, when do you want to see him bring it out, first, second, third quarter, when not to is like the fourth quarter when something really bad can always happen, I mean, we're Bills fans, we know really bad, so, um, actually, but see, I, I trust Marquise Goodwin, I don't feel like when, when, 
Leotis McKelvin is back there. I, it's mini heart attack every time he's got the ball in his hand because he has a history drop. And like you said, Stevie Johnson, you never know where. He's got that thing waving all over the place. I always have a mini heart attack when Scott Chandler's blumbering across the middle of the field. You know, he happened to fumble on Sunday, but I, I'm always waiting for that guy to fumble. Never know really what's going to happen with CJ either. I don't have that feeling when Marquise Goodwin has the ball in his hands. I feel the same way about Robert Woods, and I love that I'm saying that about two rookies, but I don't know if he's a fumble risk. And I don't think he's had long enough to prove that he's a fumble risk or enough opportunities <laughs> yeah. to fumble. He hasn't had any opportunity to lose my, my confidence yes, yet. Yes. But uh, So I, I think it'll be interesting. I, it would be great to see a ballsy team out there this week. You know, people taking chances, going deep downfield. I mean, I would love to see, and I don't know why we're not doing it, and we've had success, is going deep over the middle. Um, we keep going deep to the sidelines, and it just doesn't seem to be our, you know, bread and butter, our cup of sugar there. But I think, you know, even just, you know, five yards in, um, running routes, you know, not just directly towards the sidelines, I, I, I don't know why we're not doing it. But it'd be good to see that. Um, you know, maybe we'll start seeing less of Freddie and more of CJ to see really where he's panning out and what he's going to do for the remainder of the season. I wouldn't be surprised with that as well. And then hopefully they'll just take care of EJ. I, I, we can't afford for him to have another injury. Yeah, and you could have heard a pin drop at Lincoln Station when he went out uh, after getting the wind knocked out of him on Sunday. You know, you say that you're happy with EJ. I'm happy with EJ, and I think we'll continue to see good things for him. I, I don't know if we're ever going to have a – top-tier quarterback in him. I think we'll always have a quarterback who's good enough. And I hate saying that because that, that kind of suggests that we'll never win a Super Bowl with him. But uh, one area that he has to get better at and that you sort of addressed there is uh, going downfield. But he's definitely been doing it more since Nathaniel Hackett came out of the booth. Yeah. Uh, the, last, yeah. the last two games, we've put up 30 points in both games. I don't. Th- I think, yeah, 30 even against the Jets because our defense got seven points against him. So 30 and 31 and over 700 yards of offense. Uh, EJ has three touchdowns and no interceptions and has thrown for, I think, like 200 or excuse me, 445 yards. Extrapolated out over an entire season, that's a very good performance. That's yeah. It's not quite 30 touchdowns um, and Lord knows how many picks he'd throw in between, but that's well over um, 4,500 yards that he would throw. And I think a lot of that has to do with Nathaniel Hackett coming down. I think we're going to continually see him take more chances with the ball, and that was a knock against him coming out of college that he was very conservative. So who knows? If the theme at one Bills drive this week is throwing caution out of the wind, I think, Cass, we will see a lot more shots downfield. And and like you said, you, you don't feel like EJ may be the, the shining star quarterback. I think in comparison to every quarterback that we've had since Jim Kelly, um, you know, for a rookie season with this guy, I mean, he's definitely proving himself, at least to me. This is, this is if you told me at the beginning of this year that this is where we would be with a rookie quarterback, you know, even getting injured this year, I, I would be ecstatic, and I, I think I am. I, I think I see promise, I see direction, I see growth, opportunity, um, and I feel like he's really, really good for this franchise. So, you know, that's a lot of optimism coming out of me, which isn't usually the case. But uh, in this game will be another game for, for him to show that. He's got a few more games the rest of the season to show what he has and to step up as a leader on the team. And, and hey, like you said, we aren't mathematically eliminated. No, we're not. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a chance. There's always a chance. Uh, I like our chances this Sunday, too. Um, 
but we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how forlorn and how distraught this team is bouncing back from that Atlanta loss. Um, I have a feeling Marone's going to have him ready, but uh, we'll see. We'll get into it now in predictions and wild card. Coming up now to the end of the episode, which can only mean it's well, we don't have Bill or Suge here, so Cass gonna have to help me out. It's the wild card portion of today's episode. Wild card. Nicely done. <laughs> Holiday shopping is something that everybody's talking about right now. We just got past Black Friday. We got past Cyber Monday. And today, the day you're hearing this is, I don't know, is there a name for it? It's the week after Thanksgiving, <laughs> so we'll call it, uh, we'll call it, um, I don't know, in, I don't know. I don't even have a good name for it because it's, because if you're doing Christmas shopping now, you're you're behind the Black Friday but at the same time, you're also ahead of most other people because you know Black Friday is a great day for moms to go out and shop. But most people don't have their Christmas shopping done until about December 23rd. So maybe today's uh, maybe today's the first chance Thursday or something stupid like that. Either way, a lot of shopping going on. Christmas shopping coming up. Cass, have you got any of your shopping out of the way yet? I do. I've got a little by little. Ch- just like to check things off the list, see where the deals are. I, I start thinking about it in, in early November. You got to, uh, and I'm I'm right there with you. I've got, as you see, Jackie's got some gifts under the tree right now, um, and I've got some things marked off from my parents, Jackie's parents too. So I'm doing all right too, but I have some to go, and yeah. it sounds like you do too. Yeah, you do. So for today's wild card, if you could have one Bills player do your holiday shopping for you, who would it be, and why? So this is a pretty easy one for me. <laughs> it's not Eric Wood. Shocking. It's actually Stefan Gilmore. Excellent choice. That guy's got mad style. He has got great style. And although I hate his hair on game days, I think it's pretty like sexy and suave there. So, uh, and plus, he's now engaged to his uh, girlfriend from college, who was a runner at, uh, where did they go? Uh, South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. Thank you. Who was a runner there. She's got great style. And man, does she have a rock. Oh. So he's got some bank. He's got style. He he knows when to lay it down. So wait a minute. So part of this is that not only did they get to do your shopping for you, they pay for the gifts too. Well, no, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like the man, you know, knows when to when to spend the money, when to go quality. Uh-huh. Um, so it, maybe he'll throw a little gift in there for me. Uh, back to football, real quick. Are we concerned about Stephon Gilmore? Yes, every every game. Okay, me too. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a guy we've already talked about today, too, uh, for reasons we've already discussed. I'm going to give mine to Aaron Williams. Seems like that guy really wears his heart on his sleeve. And likewise, it seems like he's a very thoughtful guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had shown pictures of Instagram where he was hanging out with the Jackson family, you know, d- doing the um, Halloween thing with them and, and dressing up and just kind of being, I don't know, it, it seems like he's like a very genuine kind of community, family-oriented guy. He's not me first. So he seems to be the kind of person who, pull, who you would open a gift and be like, I'm now ashamed to give you anything because whatever I've bought for you is clearly not even remotely as thoughtful as this. Um, and I think, that, I think that he would give good gifts that way. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And, and to go into the community side, just as a side note, um, the Bills had one of their community initiatives for Play 60 this past week, and they had, I think they said, 28 players participating, which I think is great. You know, most of those community initiatives, especially Play 60, you might get two or three players, maybe four, but to see 28 players there, you know, way to go, Bills, way to go, players, it's, it's, it's very exciting to see. 
I love the direction of this team, and I love that uh, you know you touched on it last week. I love the family and community aspect this uh, this fa- this team brings because it's also very uh, um, characteristic of the city of Buffalo as well. Yes. Buffalo is the city of good neighbors for good reason, and I feel like the Buffalo Bills are living up to that. And on a side note, but related, one player I have noticed show up for this community stuff is a guy you wouldn't expect to, given his contract situation, and that's Alan Branch. I've seen him in several community photos now, but he's on a one-year contract, and he's a veteran player. And it seemed in the offseason like he was using this as, as an opportunity to audition for his next contract, but he seems to be ingratiating himself quite nicely into the whole community initiative of the Buffalo Bills. Maybe it's just because he's a good guy. But he's been playing pretty damn well in the defensive line, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed because he sees long-term Buffalo. Because I don't really want to have to draft another defensive lineman. Okay, uh, Cass, end of the show here. Uh, I guess we got to come down to it. I'm pretty sure we all predicted win against the Falcons. Are you predicting a win this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I am. I am. When, when you hit your lows, it can't go any lower. So uh, 28-10, Buffalo Bills victory. I like it. I think it's going to be a close game. You know, actually, I said last week, I turned to my uncle. We did we did Thanksgiving in Buffalo, and he's a big Bills fan, obviously. And I said, we're either going to blow this Falcons team out of the water or we're going to lose because we won't win a close game with them. That was my, that was my premonition last yeah, week. I walked into I, the bar and said the same thing. I have these premonitions every week. Um, and as of right now, Wednesday, I don't feel the same way about the Buccaneers. I think we can beat them in a close game. Part of the reason is because Matt Ryan versus Mike Glennon. I mean, there's a major... And lest we forget, the Atlanta Falcons were in the NFC Championship game. They were one game after the NFC Championship game last year. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, came surging back to reality against the Bills. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. But who did I say? I said Julio Jones. I meant Roddy White. Julio Jones is, is, is a lot worse for wear. Julio Jones was back on that team. They would be a very dynamic team, uh, but Roddy White found his sea legs again, of course, against Buffalo, which is how it always goes. But his performance on Sunday was not an aberration for some of the things he's done in his career. So we got beat by a team that's got a potential to be very good. And quite frankly, I don't see that from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think we can beat them in a blowout. I think we can beat them in a close game. So I'm going to predict a close game, 29 to 28. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, it's, uh, yep, yep. So I'm going to be really happy that I'm going to be here holding, holding poor Betty for dear life. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you listening. Uh, like we said before, we've got about 200 subscribers, and it really means a lot to us that you tune in every week to listen to us ramble on about the Buffalo Bills. Maybe you're a Bills fan, maybe you aren't. If you are, tell all your friends in Bills Nation. Join us back here next week when we talk about them Jacksonville Jaguars. But until then... Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.